0: Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you right now, and we're grateful for the privilege that we have to stand before an unfailing God. And that means you know what's best for us, and you know next steps we need to take. And just like Lexi and those earlier today, they, they knew that next step was to profess their faith. And Father, all of us have a next step. And I pray as we open your word, your, your, your word that's without error, it's truth Uh, it it divides to the uttermost of our very being when we listen to it. I pray today that we'll not uh, just be hearers of the word, but we'll be doers and that we'll take whatever the next step is to bring honor and glory to you. It's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. And you may be seated. Uh, There was a pastor that was getting ready to uh, preach uh, a marriage sermon. And so he stopped by the fourth grade Sunday school class one Sunday. And he he said, hey, uh, what does the Bible say about marriage? And so little Johnny raised his hand up immediately. And he's like, okay, Johnny, what does the Bible say about about marriage? And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. (laughs) Next, uh, tonight at 5 o'clock is our annual meeting, and I'm going to have the privilege to be able to share with you what our theme is for uh, 2023, what our theme passage will be. I'll be encouraging all of you to memorize that this year, just like we do uh, each and every year, and so that uh, we have the privilege to be able to memorize Scripture together and be on that journey uh, together. And then next Sunday, we'll begin the process of dissecting that passage of Scripture and really looking at it in detail for the next six weeks uh, and how that applies to uh, what God God is asking us to do in 2023. But today, uh, what I want to do with you is I want to share with you about how to revolutionize your marriage in 2023. So if you will take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. If you're visiting with us today, we encourage you to open your Bible, check me out, make sure uh, what I'm sharing is coming out of the Bible. It's not coming out of my personal opinion or what I think, uh, because that really doesn't matter. What matters is what God has to say. And when we follow his truth, that's the best thing that we can do, especially uh, when it comes to such an an important uh, subject as, Marriage. At the end of our time today, uh, I'm going to be asking you or going to be sharing with you important information that ties into how to revolutionize your marriage in 2023. And so stick around and pay real close, close attention to that. There's a lot of books, there's a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of posts that are made on social media today uh, that speak about this idea of marriage and what the world today uh, kind of holds as the truth about that. One uh, celebrity weighed in on this topic and said, if the chemistry is right, then your marriage will be right. And that sounds pretty good on the surface, but what about after a couple of babies and, and, and the wife, the mom's hormones kind of get off and things aren't the way that they used to be and, and the chemistry's not there, um, is that right? Uh, another person says, uh, uh, if there's passion when the door is shut, your marriage will be great when the doors are open. Man, that sounds profound, doesn't it? Uh, But what about when there's a medical condition and the husband can't perform uh, in the bedroom like he once did? And so the nights aren't as hot and steamy as they used to be. Is that really as profound a statement as what it sounds like on the surface? And so when I think about all these thoughts and thinkings and podcasts and all that are out there, I've got a a pretty good idea. Uh, we probably ought to turn to the Bible. Uh, before we listen to other things and what other people may say, uh, God is the designer of marriage. He's the creator of marriage. So the best person to go to when we think about marriage is to what the Bible has to say. And when we go to the Bible and we begin to listen to what the Bible says, we're going to see pretty quickly that, uh, as is as the case with a lot of different subjects, that the world's view of things and the Word's view of things They don't look at it the same. And so at that moment, you have to determine, am I going to listen to what the Bible says or am I going to listen to what the world says? Uh, And then that is up to you to make that decision. But it's my job to share uh, unashamedly what scripture has to say. So I'm going to give you three examples to kind of back up what I'm saying about the world's different views about things when it comes to the word's uh, view. So when we talk about this thing of marriage, an example of that would be the uh, difference between selfishness and selflessness. Selfishness and selflessness. According to the world, uh, they don't say it out loud. This isn't the way that it's pronounced, but the way that it plays out is um, the foundation of marriage is selfishness. Um, The reason I get married is because I want to be happy. Um, I want my spouse to make me happy. I want my spouse to bring me pleasure. I want my spouse to meet my needs. According to the world, uh, with that mindset, that means that marriage is all about me. Uh, but according to the word, that's not true. Uh, really, marriage has little to do with me. Uh, when you really understand the true essence, and I'm going to share with you what I mean by that. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. We were in that passage last week when we talked about uh, how to revolutionize 2023. We went to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we were here in uh, chapter 15. So let's pick up again right there in uh, verse 15 of Ephesians 5. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, uh, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time and if you remember we looked at that in the king james version and it says uh, redeeming the time exegorazo is the greek word that we find there uh, and what that word literally means it's a phrase it's one word in the greek uh, it means to seize it to buy it back to make the most of every second of every day be careful how you walk not as unwise men but as wise Um, Seize the day, seize seize every second of every day Christian because look what he says, the days are evil. And we would say, when we look at the world's view of marriage and our understanding biblically that indeed it is an evil time uh, when it comes to marriage and the thought of that. So then in verse 17, he says, because that's what's going on in the world around us, uh, don't be foolish. Uh, Instead, understand what the will of God is, verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another. Submit to one another. Cooperate together. We know throughout Scripture, uh, the Bible says that... uh, that the church that, that's saved in Christ or the bride of Christ, that he's equipped us and put us in local churches. And some he's given the, uh, the, the spiritual gift of, of teaching. Others he's given the spiritual gift of, of giving. Others he's given the spiritual gift of leadership. And he, Paul always uses kind of the picture of the body. That some people are the foot and some people are the hand. And some people are, are the neck and some people are the eyes. And, and just like the body has to cooperate together to be able to accomplish what the body was created to do. Christians you've got to cooperate you've got to submit to each other God's created the church to do something so you have to submit to each other and your roles and specifically what God has created you to do so that the church can function the way that it is supposed to be subject to one another cooperate together in the fear of Christ and then immediately with that is the understanding Paul moves into the relationship of marriage uh, and the word, what we find is that married, that uh, the word says that marriage is a, it's a mutually submissive environment. It's a, it's an environment where we are to cooperate together as husband and as wife. Uh, we're, we're to function. We see that very clearly as this passage of scripture is flowing right there together as believers were to be subject to one another, cooperate together in accomplishing the work of the church. And then he moves right into this idea of mutual submission or subjection. Look at verse 22 wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Just like Jesus is not uh, inferior to God, the father, um, we know that because they're one. They're part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are equal, but they play different roles. And in the same way, wives are equal to their husband because, as we see in Scripture, it says that when we get married, that we two become one. And just like the Godhead operates together as equal parts of that The same is true when it comes to the marriage relationship, but God has given the husband and the wife specific roles and things that they are to accomplish. Therefore, the marriage, it's a joint effort of both the husband and the wife, uh, submitting and cooperating together, performing the roles that God has ordained them to perform. And we see here in verse 22, it says, Wives, be subject, be in this mutual atmosphere of cooperation to your own Husbands And sometimes wives will ask, well, pastor, what does that look like? And it's very simple. It's right there in that verse. Become underneath the headship of your husband just as to the Lord. The same way that you submit to the leadership of God in your life, you are to submit to the leadership of your husband in the home. This passage of scripture does not say that your husband is God or that he is the Lord, but that God has given him the responsibility of what's going on in the home. He has created the wife to be his helpmate equally a part of the uh, of the marriage equation to come alongside of him to accomplish what God wants to happen in that mutual relationship. Therefore, husbands, verse 25, uh, you are to love your wives. Well, what does that look like, pastor? Very simple. It's right there. You are to love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up. For her. The Bible tells us very clearly why Jesus came. Jesus himself describes that in Mark 10. He says that the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom For many, So when the husband is loving the wife as Christ loved the church, the wife is coming underneath the leadership of the husband. They are producing mutual cooperation, submissiveness to one another. Then it creates the way or creates the atmosphere that God intends for the marriage to operate. It's the biblical way and therefore it works. So that's an example. The world says selfishness. God's word says selflessness. Another example is when it comes to the idea of happiness versus holiness. The world believes that the marriage is created or the reason that the marriage exists is for my happiness. I hear this over and over again uh, in the counseling sessions that I have. Um, Pastor, I'm just not happy anymore. Uh, Pastor, my, my spouse just does not make me happy anymore. I, I, I used to be a happy person, but I'm just not that way uh, anymore. I, I go out onto social media and I look at the Facebook posts and I look, the, uh, I, I look at the Instagram posts and there's all these families. And they go out and they take these family pictures together and they're all smiling and they all have this beautiful look and their kids are wearing these matching outfits and they just look so adorable and I just look at those families and I go, that's the family that I want. They just look so happy. I'll never forget when uh, Bryce McKenzie were a little bitty and, and I decided to surprise Lena with a Mother's Day present of a, of a, of a family uh, pictures with a professional photographer. Now you guys do that all the time. That's as I see it on Facebook all the time, right? But back then I made $417 twice a month. There was no family photography in the, bu- in the budget whatsoever. But man, I really stepped out and I did that. And so a few years ago, I was asking Bryce McKenzie, I said, uh, uh, do y'all remember that photo shoot you know and they're like no daddy and I was like praise the Lord amen I am so glad and they're like what do you mean I said I just knew I had scarred you for life in that event I mean I was stepping out big time to buy this for their mama and I looked at them this morning and I said you better do a good job in this photo shoot today you better straighten up right now wipe those tears from your eyes you may be one and a half but we got something to accomplish today and if you don't do it I'm gonna whoop you into next week get it under control (laughs) and smile while you're doing it right those things I had so many people come up to me at the end of the service can you show us those pictures and I was trying but you know we've thrown all of them away and we don't even have them anymore that's how important that they were right you know there's the old ad that says that that a picture is worth a thousand words and that may be true but a picture never tells the whole story and that's especially true when we begin to look at other people's marriages compared uh, to ours. And we begin to think about how things ought to function. The world says, you know, what if things aren't so picture perfect? What if things aren't so great? Are you, can, can you bail? And the world says, well, absolutely. Sure, throw it away. I mean, after all, it's all about your happiness. But the word says, no, you don't. No, you know, you don't throw it away. Because your marriage is not about happiness. Your marriage is about holiness. Have you ever thought about your marriage in that way? Marriage is not about happiness, but marriage is about holiness. Look back at Ephesians 5 again. Verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? Why did he do that? Verse 26, so that he might make her holy. And he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. I'm not saying happiness is bad. I'm I'm not saying that I don't want my marriage to be a happy place. But I am saying that holiness is better. Author and speaker Gary Thomas says this. He says, your marriage is more than a sacred covenant with another person. It is a spiritual discipline designed to help you know God better, trust him more fully, and love him more deeply. Isn't that interesting? He says, our marriage is not about my happiness, but it's about God growing my holiness. Therefore, wives grow. Be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands grow. Love your wife as Christ loved the church and also gave himself up for her. The third example that I'll show you is the difference between surviving and thriving. Someone once said, said, any marriage that doesn't end in divorce is a success. Isn't that a good mindset? No, it's a horrible mindset. There's many people in the world today. that's like, if we can just make it until uh, we get old enough to, to, to move into our, you know, our retirement house and sit on the front porch and rock in a rocking chair and having never killed each other, then we've had a successful marriage, right? And God said, no, that's not what I intended marriage for. It's not about, it's not about surviving this thing called marriage. It's talking, it's more about thriving in it. And that's what many of you need today. That's what many in our world need today. They need to figure out how do, I, how do I thrive in my marriage and not just survive in my marriage. For some of you here today, you are, you are thriving to a degree but you've forgotten some of these principles I'm going to share today. So whether we need to begin thriving or whether we need to guard ourselves so that we continue to thrive, or maybe we need a little bit of a tune-up, I want to share with you some principles so that we can revolutionize our marriage. Four of them that I want to share with you this morning. The bottom line is, wherever that you are on the spectrum, don't forget what James chapter 4 says. James chapter 4 says, to the one who knows the right thing to do um, and doesn't do it. Husbands, when you learn today the right thing to do, and if you choose not to do it, it's a sin. Wives, you learn the right thing to do today, and you choose not to do it, it's a sin. It breaks fellowship. We need to listen to what God has. That's why we come on Sunday. We don't come just to hear. We come to learn so that we can put into application what God's moving us to do so that we can be the salt and light that God has called us to do. And our marriages are huge in that aspect. The first principle I want to share with you this morning is that God created marriage. That's very important as a baseline, very important for you kiddos to understand that. That's why I'm not, I don't wait till to, to, to preach a message like this to just adults. We all need to be grown. We all need to be matured in that. And so God created marriage. Genesis two eighteen. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Verse 24 says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This very clearly says marriage is God's idea. Marriage was designed by God. God designed the blueprints by which marriage is supposed to function. God is the one that put the rules into place as the ones that we are to follow for us to have a marriage that thrives the way that he wants it to be. Amy Lynch in uh, Marriage and the Generations, she talks about what has happened as generations have begun to redefine what marriage is. Instead of staying true to God's definition of a marriage, they've done that, and then she kind of highlights how it's played out in different generations. In the World War II generation, uh, they always said, I do. Marriage was the norm, they stuck it out, they saw it to the very end. There were divorces, but divorces were not the norm, they were the exception. Then their children, the baby boomer generation, uh, their philosophy to marriage has been, I do, I don't, and then I do again. So they get married, a lot of them go through a divorce, and then they remarry, and then that marriage tends to to be one that lasts. Then there's the Gen X. Uh, That's my generation. That would be the next generation. Uh, My generation says, yeah, marriage, I do, but I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to wait till I'm a little bit older. I'm going to wait till I get my education. I'm going to wait till uh, I get things in order in my life a little bit more. I'm going to get married, but it's going to be a while. And then the next generation, which would be my children, would be the millennial generation. And they say, yeah, marriage, I do, but I'm going to do it differently. Um, Cohabitation has become a major player in this generation. Um, the idea of sexual inclusion in the marriage, uh, same-sex marriages, uh, it's proliferated during the millennial generation. Uh, and if you're here today, and that's your view, you kind of have that millennial uh, view of marriage that it, you kind of choose whatever you think is right, and that you know same-sex marriage or anything along those lines, or or, or sexual uh, experimentation within the marriage union itself. That's what you believe. Uh, I'm not here to say you're a bad person. I'm not here to say uh, that I'm condemning you in any way. But what I am here to say is that's not the biblical way. I'm not being old fashioned and I'm not being um, a Baptist. Uh, I'm looking into the Bible and I'm saying the Bible says that God created the marriage, which means God defines what marriage is. And no matter what we think, we don't have the right or we don't have the liberty, regardless of what the world says. We don't have the right or the liberty to be able to redefine marriage because God is the one that defined it in the first place. And from the very beginning, God has very clearly said that marriage is to be between one man and one woman, and it is to be for one lifetime. Jesus himself reiterated this. We talk about, well, that's an Old Testament concept. No, Jesus in his earthly ministry, he reiterated the same thing in Matthew 19. He quotes the book of Genesis. He said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother. A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So that's the first principle we have to understand to have a thriving marriage is God is the creator. He created it. The second principle is Satan wants to destroy your marriage. You might as well understand that today. Satan wants to destroy your marriage. We know in John 10, it says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroyer, Uh, destroy. He he is a destroyer. He preys upon our human nature. He preys upon the things that we struggle with. Uh, And he uses all kinds of things to bring uh, that destruction into our life. And when it comes uh, to how that he kind of operates is he likes to operate in our thought patterns. Because he knows that if he destroys the marriage and he destroys uh, us operating as Christians the way that God intended for it to be, uh, that it destroys the credibility. Look again at Ephesians chapter five. Uh, We understand why this is important for the attack on marriage, the attack on the family values. These things are so prevalent in our world today because in Ephesians chapter five, uh, we see Paul reiterating what Jesus had reiterated, what God had stated from the very beginning. He says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And the mystery is great. He says, this is why I'm giving you this teaching. We started with talking about how that we're to be mutually submissive, cooperative together as the body of Christ, which then leads into how that we are to be mutually submissive, cooperate together in the marriage relation because the mystery is great this relationship between a husband and a wife functioning the way that the creator designed it to function the mystery is this I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church we talk about how that we're called to be the salt and the light we're to be out into the world showing others we we go out there and we tell them hey guys listen uh, I'm a member at Oak Ridge Baptist Church I'm a follower of Jesus Christ The Bible says that you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. That Jesus is the only way, that he is the truth and the life. And there's no way through the Father but through him. But then in our marriage, we operate differently. We we, we operate separate of what the Bible has to say about this. And what Paul is teaching us here is the way that we live that out in our marriage, all those things that we're telling people, the way that we live that in our marriage, we're showing them The fact that Christ loves us and that he was willing to give himself up for us and there's just things that he will do like never leave us and never forsake us and to love us uh, with all of his heart and with all his being because He was willing to leave heaven to come to give us eternal life and to come underneath the headship and the submission to God the Father so that he could accomplish our salvation and our marriage is to reflect that. And so when, when Satan attacks the marriage and, and, and messes it up, it's because he's wanting to, to not allow us to bring credibility to the love of God because it doesn't match up when we say, this is what we believe, but it's not playing out when it comes to our marriage relationship. And so what we do as Christians, when we go before our friends and our families and before God, and we establish a relationship, a covenant relationship, we just paint a big old target on our back. Uh, satan wants to attack us he wants to uh, make sure that our marriages fail because that will then bring lack of credibility to god which takes me back to the thought of uh, what i said earlier satan begins to deal with our thought patterns well i'm just not happy um maybe maybe because i'm not happy the reason i'm not happy is because i must have chosen the wrong person the first time um I'm not happy, uh, man, that grass really is greener on the other side. That, that person really does look like they would be the one and we begin to allow our thoughts to begin to dictate our actions and that's why Satan is always working with our thoughts. He, he tries to get us to doubt our relationship and these kind of things. So how do we protect ourselves from that? How, how do we make sure that we don't allow Satan to, to, to destroy us because our thought patterns uh, get in the place that they shouldn't be? Well, I heard this verse like almost every Sunday at Oak Ridge Baptist Church in 2022. It, it was a verse that went something like this. Anybody, anybody remember this? Finally, brethren, whatever is true, said, read it with me out loud. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right. If there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on those things. When Satan tries to say, you you know, the grass is greener on the other side, that doesn't match up to that passage of scripture. Well, maybe there's somebody else out there that can make me happy. That doesn't match up to that passage of scripture. And so we guard our thoughts and our minds by dwelling on the things that we ought to dwell with because we know the principle of the fact of the matter is that Satan wants to destroy our marriages. Which brings me to principle number three. We have to make the determination to never give up. Just decide ahead of time. If I'm going to enter into this marriage relationship, then I'm going to enter into it with the understanding I'm never going to give up. You, you remember when, when Joshua had led the children of Israel into the promised land and uh, he was leading them and they began to do things contrary you know, to things of God and he's getting ready to pass off this earth. He finally came to a point and he was just like, man, things are just messed up. Th- things are just kind of not going the right way. So I tell you what, if you wanna follow what the world is saying you ought to follow, then you get after it. If you wanna follow the, 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 the teachings of our forefathers and, and, and the things that were passed along, I get that, you do that, but let me just tell you, I finally had enough and here's my decision. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're going to serve what the word says. We're going to serve what God has to say. And I'm not going to be influenced any other. It's not going to be easy. But I've just determined I'm not going to give up. Not now. Not ever. No matter what it takes. Lane and I don't have the perfect marriage. Lane and I don't do things right. Lane and I fought like cats and dogs for many years. She still does. I've learned how to get over it. But (laughs) when we got married, we said there's one word that we will never speak in our home. And that's the word divorce. It will not be in our vocabulary. It will not be in anything we say. We will not threaten with it. We will not talk about it. We will not entertain it. If, you bring, if I bring it up, you have the right to punch me in the face as hard as you want. And she can punch hard, so I don't bring it up. Amen. <laughs> Why? Because we made the determination 33 years ago, never give up. We may die first, we may kill each other first, we may go to prison first, but we are not giving up because that is the termination that we've made. That's contrary to what the world has to say today. and We have to decide that. First Peter chapter four and verse eight, it says above all, above all, above everything else, here's what you need to do. Keep fervent in love. Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. Never give up, pursue love, never take it for granted. I know that's hard because we allow passivity and discouragement and resentment. Children, resentment of children, all the things in between, right? we we'll let all those things get into place and the devil uses all these things, but above all else, be fervent, make up your mind, keep true to what you've decided to do, be fervent about it. And the fourth and final principle I'll share with you this morning is leave a legacy. Leave a legacy. How often do you ask yourself this question? What is the model for marriage that I'm passing down to my kids today? What is the model for marriage that I'm passing down to my children today? You see, that's important for us to ask ourselves that question because we understand that we're modeling and are teaching our kids to do a lot of things. Uh, little girls learn how to cook because they go into the kitchen with their mama and they model what they do after her. Uh, little boys go out onto the, you know, out into the yard and they, they learn how to use a weed eater and they learn how to mow and they learn how to do these things because they see dad. I'm not saying girls can't go out there and guys can't go in the kitchen. No, I'm not saying that. Don't go there, but I. You know, Yeah, I kind of am. But anyway, that's behind the story. All right. But you see what I'm saying? How do we learn those things? Because we model for our children. This is what we do. This is how we act. This is where we go. There's the things we don't do. This is the things. And when it comes to our marriage, it's exactly the same thing. We're teaching them how to disagree in marriage, how to argue, how to resolve conflict, how to forgive, how to love when they're mad, how to stay when you want to leave, how to be faithful no matter what. I love this passage in 2 Timothy chapter one. This is where Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, he says, Timothy, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. I see it in your life. Timothy, I see a faith that was modeled first in your grandmother, Lois, and, and a faith that was then modeled in your mother, Eunice. And Timothy, it's a faith that I'm sure that dwells in you as well. I want to leave that legacy. I want to take what I learned from a godly dad. First person saved in his family, chose to to move to another state to get away from the environment because they knew he couldn't live for God there. I want to take that heritage that he passed to me and pass it to my children we pass it to their children that live a legacy that says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. Well, how do I do that? We have this grandiose idea of it. We have this grandiose idea. That's what I want. Well, I want to be 135 pounds, but I'm not willing to stop eating bluebell ice cream at night either. <laughs> and that's what we got to decide. What am I doing today? What am I doing right now? What at this moment am I doing modeling for my children to leave the legacy of a marriage that is God honoring? Hugh Welchel is the executive director of the Institute for Faith, Work and Economics. He wrote this amazing book. If you've never read it, it's great. How then should we work? Rediscovering the biblical doctrine of work. Oftentimes when we think about doing something, we're like, that's just so hard. Man, there's so much going on in my life. I'm not sure I can model for my kids. This is what he says. He said, God always gives us enough in order to do what he has required. God has always and will always give us enough to do what he has always required. If you're determined today to live a legacy, if you're determined today to do it God's way, he will give you what is necessary to be able to accomplish that. I know that because that's what the word says. The word says God is the one that did it and this is God's way and the legacy he wants you to live. One man, one woman, one lifetime. Leave and cleave, enter into a covenant, not a contract, serve one another and recognize that God hates divorce according to Malachi chapter 2. When we think of those standards and we think about what the world has to say about that, we realize that they're trying to redefine those today. There's an entire generation that is buying into uh, the idea that they have the right to set the parameters and the standards and the idea of what marriage is all about. And that's why it's so important today that all of us that are Christians, whether we are moms and dads or grandparents or aunts and uncles or cousins or brothers and sisters, wherever that we are in that spectrum, entering into marriage, that we do it God's way so that it has a drastic impact on the generation that is watching what we do. The way that we'll do that is to revolutionize our marriage in 2023. Wherever that we are on the spectrum, the four principles that I've shared with you. Now, principle number one God created marriage, He defined it, He tells us how to do it. Principle number two Satan wants to destroy your marriage. Principle num- number three never give up. And principle number four is leave a legacy. For those of you that are here this morning, you're saying, I need that. I need that revolution in my life. For those of you here that are functioning well, but maybe if you're truthful with yourself, maybe it's not as thriving as you'd like for it to be. And you're asking, what's a way? What are some things that I can put into practice? Pastor, I don't want to just come today and just hear, what are some steps that I can take to make sure that it's happening in my life in 2023, my marriage? I want to give you two ways to revolutionize your marriage in 2023. Number one, that is the Matthew 633 principle. Put into practice the Matthew six thirty three principle. This is what Matthew six thirty three says. It says, "Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you." Uh, this isn't just for married people. It's for uh, young professionals. It's for high school kids. It's for college kids. Uh, it's for married and unmarried alike. Uh, the best principle that we can do our life with is. Pursue God first in all you do. And then the other things fall into place. If you're here today and you're saying, you know, uh, I've been trying to pursue my spouse for some period of time. I would say stop. Pursue God first. Seek God and his righteousness. I'm not saying to throw it out the window, but oftentimes when we pursue our spouses because something is wrong, that's a temporary fix. But when you pursue God, I'm telling you, it will permanently change things in your life for the better. Uh, when Lane and I are doing counseling and we're doing things uh, with, 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 with couples teaching or counseling or whatever, this is kind of an illustration that we use. Um, when, when you and your spouse uh, make the determination uh, to seek God first, to pursue him and all that you do. First and foremost, what begins to happen is you both begin to draw closer to God. And when you draw closer to God, what happens? You draw closer to each other. And when you grow closer to each other, that, ca- that, that, uh, that triangle gets smaller. And it's amazing what it produces in that area. So, the first illustration that I I'll, the first way that I'll give you is the Matthew 6:33. Pursue first Jesus and his ways. The second way that I'll give you this morning is a way to revolutionize your marriage in 2023 is to be mentored and mentor others be mentored and mentor others when it comes to marriage. One of the greatest passages that I find on mentorship, it's the one that we apply in our spiritual mentoring for our, uh, for our ladies' ministry and our men's ministry is 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. It says that the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul says it's very important for you to be taught the correct way and then to teach others the correct way. So I told you as we begin our time together, I'm gonna share something very important with you at the end of our time that I need you to take notice of. So here's what I need you to do. Everybody grab your calendars right now. If you use one of those pocket calendars in your purse, grab it. Most of you are gonna be using your phone. You're gonna be using your iPad. If you're sitting here right now and you are married, you are engaged and you are alive right now, and you are not grabbing your calendar, I'm going to pray at the end of the service that the fleas of 10,000 camels invest your armpits and that you have misery the rest of the day, okay? All right, this is very important, and I'm meaning this. I need everybody to pay very, very, very close attention. I need you to go to your calendar, and I need you to reserve the evening of February 10th and from 8.30 to 12.30 on February the 11th. The evening of February the 10th, And this is for everyone. You're sitting here today, my marriage is thriving. No, I need you to be a part of this. On the evening of February the 10th, we're going to, guys, listen, men especially, what is this close to? Valentine's Day, I'm helping you already right here, okay? Uh, On Friday night the 10th, we're gonna serve a steak and serve uh, 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 dinner here in the worship center. Uh, It's gonna have all the fixings, everything that you need for a great dinner. And then Bob Smiley is going to uh, put together a comedic show for us. Uh, We asked Sarah if she could come, but she wasn't available. And so we got stuck with Bob. Uh, No, he's gonna do a great job. He's gonna be at our men's conference. We'll get to know him a little bit better. Bob is a member of our church, uh, tours all over over the place. He's a professional comedian. And so he's gonna uh, be with us on Friday night. And then we're gonna come back on Saturday morning and we're gonna participate in a four hour conference entitled rounding the Basis, uh, uh of your marriage. And so for a successful marriage. So take a look at this video, if you will. Have you ever bought flowers for someone when you were mad at them? It's weird. I go up to the counter and I get the happiest girl in the world. My luck. Yeah, I'd like to have some flowers. (gasps) Oh, that's so sweet. What kind of flowers are you going to get her? The cheapest kind you got. Matter of fact, cut off the heads and wrap the stems. (laughs) No, I didn't do that. Finish this quote for me. Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never the life of Satan. Bones heal, bruises go away. But the words that we choose with those we love often hurt, cut, and hurt and wound for a lifetime. My marriage is a vehicle that God handcrafted so that His power, His glory, His calling can flow through my marriage to everybody in my life and children and beyond. My marriage is a vehicle that God built for His glory to reign. How many of you are familiar with uh, the book or the ministry uh, Love and Respect? Anybody ever hear that before? Okay, so Dr. Emerson of Love and Respect and Matt Lauer have come together and they've created a ministry in which they do marriage conferences, which that'll be on Saturday, and then they do marriage mentor training. So everyone that comes to the marriage conference then will be invited back later this year, the first of next year, we're working on the details, to participate in a marriage mentoring uh, training so that not only are we able to do premarital counseling here, if we have a family that has a marriage need that we know we have folks can walk with them, now you'll be equipped to be able to go out into your job places and run into folks. And a lot of times when we're living as Christians and we're living out there the way we're supposed to, somebody asks, say, hey, I've got this marital problem, what's going on? And we want to help, but we don't have the resources and to be able to do that. And so this will give us the training necessary in order to be able to be marriage mentors. That will be a benefit to uh, our church family, but also in line with our mission. Our mission is we are to abide, we are to grow, and then we are to go to take the things that we're learning and be equipped with inside this building and taking it out into the community. And so that is the QR code that you'll register the entire weekend is going to be 50 bucks a couple. So that's very affordable. Uh, we'll be able to do that in a way that uh, will be a blessing to everyone. So again, that's Friday night. Childcare will be uh, provided both days. You won't have to worry about those things. Continental breakfast on Saturday and all that. So $50 uh, Friday night. And that's the, th- the second way that we revolutionize uh, our marriage in 2023 is to be mentored and then be equipped to mentor others. I appreciate you so much being here today. And I don't want to, uh, uh, to prolong that. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on. Uh, I'm going to lead us in a closing prayer and then uh, uh, Tab Lloyd is going to come Tab is going to be our deacon of this week but he's got some news to share uh, about some more things that are going on in the life of our church so if you would pray with me Father we love you today and I'm grateful for uh, the fact that you, uh, you've given Oak Ridge Baptist Church to us and uh, a fellowship of believers that are called uh, to develop into fully devoted followers of Christ with a heart to share God's love with everyone and Father we want to do that to the best of our ability and And Father, we know if we stay in your word, abide in your word, and be equipped, uh, we can do that. And so I pray today uh, that our marriages will be uh, the light and the salt that you want them to be. Father, I pray that we'll be honest with each other uh, in the areas that we might need adjusting or changing uh, through this message today. And that we won't just be hearers, but we'll be doers. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.